Welcome to Your Brain On by Salience Learning. I'm Karen Foster. And I'm Krista Gerhard. Specifically within the life sciences arena and industry, there's so much that has to be sort of controlled in terms of messaging for legal and compliance um, reasons. And we want to be sensitive to our stakeholders in that where they believe exposure or maybe repetition is the way, um, but it doesn't necessarily drive what the learners may be experiencing in their selling environments or in their you know, customer engagement models. I'm curious if there is an alternative that helps stakeholders feel comfortable with an alternative approach to just pure exposure repetition type techniques? Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of things. One of the things is to uh, emphasize that, and I used, to, I used to have a term for this, I call it situation-based learning design, but I don't use that term anymore. But, but the idea is that uh, what, we, what we want, uh, we wanna create, and this is a term that I coined, so you might not have heard it anywhere, but, what we want is spontaneous remembering. So when people go into their performance situation, we want the cues in that environment to spontaneously trigger their memories for what they learned and what to do. And usually we do this by we learn on the job, but sometimes we're using training to, to sort of accelerate that process. And so the key then is to make sure that you design the right situations. So it's not just about rote memorizations of uh, you know, imperfect or unrealistic uh, knowledge, or not, not, not unrealistic knowledge, but knowledge that's sort of isolated from the real situation. So like, like an example from uh, sales training is we can teach uh, salespeople new uh, features of a product. New product, got new features, or an old product with new features, et cetera. And we could, we could drill them on the new features, but that's not how they're gonna use that information. They're gonna be out with a customer and the customer is gonna ask a question. And this question might hint at a certain customer need. And so what we would do is ideally we'd design the training around that situation. A customer uses these words or you know, hints that they're, you know, deep uh, need, and oh, this should remind you to mention that this is the most powerful engine, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, um, or this drug is going to be really effective for people with this condition. Um, and so the key is, and this has lots of advantages, not just from a learning standpoint, but from a um, from a relevance standpoint, a motivation standpoint. So the more we can put things, put people in realistic situations and have them make challenging decisions, not obvious decisions, because that's boring, but challenging decisions, um, the better. And so that, that seems to work for everybody because our business stakeholders say, oh my gosh, this is perfect. Um, and our learners say, oh, this is great. This is relevant to me. And our learning designers go, ooh, this is great. This is context alignment. I know this, this is gonna work and be effective. So um, that's, sort of, uh, that's sort of the sweet spot. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to, to, to hit those strides in projects, right? Where, and we've worked with stakeholders that 
uh, from a, a brand marketing side, you know, they're open to these ideas and they're very uh, growth mindset in the idea of crafting learning experiences around the tools that they've invested that put the tools in the context of how they're used or put the tools in the context and the situations and scenarios rather than sort of teaching the tool as if it's, uh, you know, page by page, right? I've used the analogy of, um, you know, marketers and brand teams uh, create these amazing resources, especially in pharma and the life sciences industry, like almost like dictionaries, right? But we can't teach someone the tool like the dictionary as if we're reading the dictionary, right? So it's, you know, instead of saying like, oh, well, let's start with apple and banana and carrot and dog, right? That's not going to help the user actually understand the steps to using the tool. So, um, but we've been we've been thankful on, for those engagements where we do have those stakeholders that, that are willing to come along on that journey because, you know, as you sort of encapsulated it perfectly you know the business people are happy the learners are happy the the the, the designers are happy as well so yeah I, I worked with a pharmaceutical company uh it was last year the year before and they did this brilliant thing they were working with their sales uh people and they they wanted the sales people to begin to think differently about the sales process and so they developed a series of competencies uh, six things that we, you know, we really wanted to emphasize. But then the brilliant part was then for each different type of salesperson, because they, they wasn't, in, in their organization, salespeople weren't isolated. They have all different types of people, you know, some who knew the science better and some who, you know, uh, were out there working with certain kind of clients. Anyway, so, but a whole bunch of people were selling and they had competencies, uh, but then they had uh, like situational uh, descriptions for each of these different types of, of their professionals. And it was brilliant. And because of this sort of great rubric that they created, we could develop scenario-based questions that enabled them to uh, sort of do two things. Number one, self-assess themselves, um, or could might not be a self-assessment, but it could be an organizational assessment. But also for the training, you can develop scenarios that were relevant to each of these folks and get them thinking along the same lines and align everybody. So again, the key there is it's about the context. So if you were to think about um, sort of messaging the science-based learning approach to L&D stakeholders, I would imagine it it becomes a little bit more natural and you know, re receptivity to it is greater. What about the skeptics? I mean, we we see this a lot where we have stakeholders who kind of view learning as a necessary evil. It check the box. We've completed our learning. Let's move on. It's a one and done. How do you use your science-based learning or approach to elevate the value to turn skeptics into believers? Well, I usually ask them what they want. <laughs> You know, what, what are you aiming to accomplish? And if they tell me something, well, we just need to check the box for legal purposes, then, you know, uh, I, I push back a little because I feel the, you know, ethical responsibility to say, okay, yeah. so uh, you don't care if uh, uh, a few people die because we did this in an inadequate way? Oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I usually am a little smoother than that, but, you know, you emphasize that, well, what about this? Like, you know, so compliance training, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can do a once a year compliance training on this safety issue. 
Great. Well, we know that people forget, show them the learning and forgetting curves. And so, okay, so maybe by April, you know, we teach them in January, maybe by April, they've forgotten most of this, or they, it's not going to occur to them on the job. So an alternative, just, you know, just so you know, I feel responsible, I got to tell you, an alternative is maybe to do uh, a booster session. And we're not going to make it a session because that's going to be boring. What we'll do is we'll, we'll send out like a challenging question uh, once every month or something to get just to have this float back into people's memory. Um, and this won't cost that much because scenario-based questions aren't that difficult. You know, it's not a big full-blown simulation or anything, but we can do it. We can create a bunch of questions so we can send them out. You know, it won't be too much, not too much overhead, not too much time for the people, but just a reminder to get them thinking about it again. Would you, would you be interested in this? They go, well, yeah, you know, we might consider that. Tell me what it's going to entail, you know. So you, get, you go into a conversation like that, and first they just want to do one-year compliance training because that that's what the legal folks told them is required. Um, but you go, okay, well, here's an alternative. And so, you know, sometimes it's just a, a matter of pointing that out. You know, sometimes we as vendors have to do what the client wants, but we hope to develop a, uh, a trusting relationship, become mm -hmm. a trusted advisor so that the next year we can say, you know, here's an alternative. What do you think about this? And here's the advantages. Um, and this will not only uh, check the legal box, but you might also have fewer people that get hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. so part of it's a uh, change management kind of you know, long-term <laughs> persuasion opportunity. Long-term persuasion opportunity. It sounds like parenting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, for sure. And, you know, obviously this is so rich and, and uh, insightful on all the different classic uh, rooted in theory and science ideas of, of retrieval practice and space learning. And so, uh, but yet there's still so many myths that we're trying to counter and, and, and fight against. I know even just with, uh, with what even we've seen over the past eight months with the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of clearly the work that Salience is doing is transitioning to virtual instruction, deployment, resources. What, what trends have you seen, I guess, over the past? Uh, you've talked about change management. What, what have you seen and change or be different or stay the same? Uh, through the pandemic, you mean? Exactly, yeah. Well, um, you know, the obvious, the big obvious one that we can't, <laughs> we can't deny is that everybody's moving everything online. Mm -hmm. Even the people that were, you know, with, you know, believe that there's no way you can do this kind of valuable training online or saying, well, okay, we got to do it online now. So I, I, what can we do to make it better? So that's a big thing. I think that that's going to have uh, long-term repercussions. We are not, we're going to go back to the classroom, but we're going to do it much less than before because we're realizing that we can do it online. I teach a course online, uh, Presentation Science Bootcamp. And it's a, it's a largely asynchronous thing. And I've had learners go into it and say, this is by far the best e-learning program I've ever taken. And I've also gotten you know, feedback that I could make it better, of course. Um, but I'm learning as I go. We're all in pioneer phase. And so uh, we're trying things out. You know, the, the things that we defaulted to, okay, uh, three webinars and a smile sheet. That's our new course, right? And, you know, you and I, as learning professionals, we know that just, uh, you know, uh, a quick presentation or series of presentations 
is not going to be enough. We need to do those other things, provide those learning supports, like realistic practice, getting people thinking, getting people trying things out at work, you know, and bringing it back to us. I, I used to be a leadership trainer. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of some of the stuff that I do, but I'm embarrassed about, you know, one aspect of it. And that is that I used to go out and teach and, you know, teach a three-day workshop or a one-day workshop. And I'd get applause at the end of the day, but then <laughs> I'd never see those people again, right? I did not reinforce what they learned. I did not hear well, if they hit obstacles or not. So I wasn't getting feedback on my program um, very much, and I wasn't able to support them going forward. So that kind of design where we go out and teach and done with it is a bad, is a bad design. But now, what, one thing virtual sort of enables us to do is to think about, okay, well, I'm not going to have a two-day workshop and be done with it. Because first of all, nobody wants to spend six hours a day on a Zoom call. Right? I mean, it's just too much. And so, um, you know, now uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have shorter sessions. And you know what? I don't just have to have sessions. I shouldn't just be a webinar person, I should, you know, instructor. I should have them try things out and then bring it back and we can talk about them. And I can give some, you know, I can have some asynchronous stuff here too, some really deep exercises that they can go online and, and contemplate and reflect on on their own time. I don't, as the instructor, I don't have to be there for that. I can bring them all back together. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of opportunities like that. I also think that not only are we as learning professionals going to be you know, improving what we do um, over time. But also I think that the technology companies, the learning technology companies are going to create better and better learning technologies that enable us to do this great asynchronous learning, you know, a hybrid learning where it's some asynchronous, some synchronous live sessions. Um, the, you know, I've been out there using different tools and trying things out and none of them are perfect drives me nuts um and uh you know i'd love to get a job working for one of these folks and just say okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna make all these great but you know no, nobody's perfect but they're getting better and so um i think it's a real opportunity uh for us to go out there and uh also i think it's gonna you know as pioneers we should be trying stuff out so hopefully this will uh, help us learning professionals be less of order takers and recipe providers and more experimentalists, more learners ourselves as we try things out and create those, you know, cycles of improvement. So I think it's a big, a big, you know, it accelerated this process of moving online and I, we're not going to go back to some of it. You know, the other thing is think about this. Um, I was just thinking about this with my, my daughter. I, you know, uh, these sounds emanate out from her bedroom as she's watching her teachers teach. And I thought, wow, I could just, I could go sit in the background and see how they do. And then I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. Just think about all the coaching opportunities that we can have now that we couldn't have so easily from a classroom. Now we as, uh, you know, instructional professionals, we can have people review what we do. We could have, you know, you know, a couple other instructors watch us and give us feedback and create that. But also, let's go beyond that. We've got leaders leading team meetings. 
So let's not just train them, let's coach them. This is a big opportunity for learning professionals to be innovative about this using the new technologies. You can sit in the back of a, a meeting and say, okay, well, here's what I heard. You did this really well, this really well, but you know, you didn't, you didn't really give them permission to criticize or to fight or to, you know, and, that, and that's gonna maybe lower innovation. And the big opportunity for you to be, instead of saying, no, we can't do that, you could say, oh, well, why do you think, you know, you could go on and on and coach them up like that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Brain On. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Krista Gerhardt. And I'm Karen Foster. And we'll see you next time.